Welcome aboard, everybody. This is the new Boiler Upload podcast. Hold on, we are not starting with a pun. Come on, Travis. I'm not starting with a pun. Welcome aboard. I always say welcome aboard. You with a pun. Just because you always do it doesn't mean it's not a pun. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, we're keeping this all in. Just because it's good conversation. So we are now approximately 20 seconds into what is very creatively named the Boiler Upload Podcast. I'm sure we will come up with another name, but we've had a lot on our plate lately. As always, I am, well, not always, I can't say always because this is the first time. Uh, I'm your host, Travis Miller. Hi, everybody. And with me are our two wonderful staff writers and contributors, Casey Bartley. How are you doing tonight, Casey? I'm doing fine. It's late. I'm tired. And, and we have Jace Dub Jellison. The dub is for Dub. <laughs> What's up, was guys? there a story with Dub? I feel like there was, and I don't remember it. Yeah, so my middle initial is W. So mm-hmm. my mom always wanted to call me JW, and then it just turned into like J-Dub with sports and everything like that. So I've just kind of stuck with it. It's catchy. Makes sense. I thought it was a baseball thing since you played baseball in high school. Yeah, it started in, in sports. Athletes are pretty dumb, so the, the less <laughs> less syllables we can use, the better. Not uh, not the athletes we covered, just like, you know, back in middle school when we were all playing pony baseball. I, I don't think I've ever revealed how I got T-Mill. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I say, I don't, there are letters in your name. Yeah, I saw it on like a prescription bottle uh, at my dad's pharmacy once, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." So. Hold on, you gave yourself the nickname? No, no, I just saw it on. It a prescription sounds bottle. like you. Uh, hmm, that's a bad yes, look Travis. because I was the most popular kid <laughs> in Kokomo High School in the mid nineties. Anyway, Travis, I thought. <laughs> that was my his own nickname. Oh. <laughs> that, my entire empire is falling apart. Anyway. I've been so, trying to make fat curry work for myself for like seven years. I think that I think that could work, yes. Anyway, we're here to talk about Purdue Sports, not about how I became T Mill or Fat Curry or Dub Jellison. And this is gonna be kind of a conversational podcast. It'll be a little bit irre- irreverent, a little bit off the cuff, but we'll just kind of go about with what comes up to comes up to the front of our minds here. And as you can tell, I'm really struggling to say what's at the front of my mind, but I think we could begin with football tonight. And well, it is November 14th and Purdue can actually play in the big 10 championship game. You've never been able to say that before. Have we? No. Dynamite it's, drop in. It's been a while. It's been <laughs> yeah. a while. I it's, it would be at at one point it is yes shocking because we've not been there obviously. But the same time when you looked at the schedule to start the season, if we weren't in contention, something went really wrong because mm-hmm. we missed all the big hitters. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of strange because we should be a little bit more in control because I, I really feel like we should have gotten one of those two against Iowa or Wisconsin. You mean I we shouldn't have given up 21 points to a team that like had three games a season of under 200 yards? Well, yeah, and well, we probably should have scored more than three, too, but... <laughs> yeah, let's not get greedy. <laughs> they at least play defense. It, it, 
yeah, that it was a mind boggling. I, I have watching no idea. that team. Yeah. All of a sudden just look like Petrus looked like Josh Allen for a little bit there. And, and it, wide open receivers downfield. And, and 24 points. You should be a Jeff Brom offense should be able to score more than 24 points. I'm sorry. And, you know, Iowa was just getting, once they went up by three touchdowns, they were content to just sit on the ball. They knew they didn't need to do anything offensively at that point. And they just look, Purdue just looked like they quit. They were done after, especially after that 75 yard touchdown against Iowa. It, the stadium was dead and already get in a game where people already weren't showing up because of the wind. They just looked so defeated, unlike anything I've ever seen out of a Jeff Brom team. Because you say what you want about Brom. I mean, his teams usually fight. Especially in the big games. Usually mm-hmm. it's a weird game against like Minnesota that you're like, what just happened? And this one, we didn't have an answer. It's a good defense. But if we were able to put something up against Illinois, and we were coming off, you know, the Wisconsin game where we also looked just dead to rights as soon as, soon as the game started. And, yeah, it was a little – AOC takes a little bit of the blame. This year he honestly hasn't been that sharp. It's probably the worst football we've gotten from him from the beginning of his career. Um, locking on to Charlie Jones is obviously an easy thing that everyone hits. But it really just seemed like he got to the line of scrimmage, saw the matchups, read the defense, and then decided – before the play, this is where the ball's going. And mm-hmm. that works against bad teams. Um, it works when you have David Bell or Rondell Moore at wide receiver. Um, Charlie Jones has been good. I don't think he's going to be, uh, he, he's not, uh, you know, an all American like Rondell Moore and David Bell were. Well, he might be. Do you think there's a bit of a trust issue there just because some of the other guys have had some drops? I know Sheffield's had a case of the dropsies. Uh, Rice has you know, never really emerged as kind of what we thought he could be. Same with Yassine. And then Brock Thompson's just not been there all season. I think he played a little bit against Penn State, and that's it. I don't think it's drop. I don't think drops scares quarterbacks. Not being open or in your spot scares quarterbacks. Because a drop's bad. But it's not going to cost you a game. But when you don't know reliably if your receiver is going to be where you expect them to be or if they're not going to have the separation and you have to throw into tight windows, which honestly doesn't bother AOC very much. He's very good throwing in the middle amongst all the bodies. But I think when you just expect only one guy to be open, you lock in on him. Uh, You know, Matthew Mm -hmm. Stafford to Cooper Cup. But even in the NFL this year, like you can't just rely on one wide receiver. Defenses can do too many things to make it really hard. And we, we saw it in the Illinois game. We finally got some other players going. Um, Purdue was able to get uh, Payne Durham early in the game. And TJ Sheffield was able to get loose for the first time this season consistently. And I thought he was going to step up this year. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just not really been there. He's a small receiver. We miss Milton, Wright. We miss him a lot because he was really good. Even last year, I think O'Connell got – it was the same thing as this year now. with But he had David Bell last year, and David Bell's obviously a third-round NFL pick. One of the best, if not the best, pure wide receiver that Purdue's ever had. And now he sees Charlie Jones as the guy that's kind of filled that role. Um, but I do agree that Milton Wright would have torched 
uh, defenses in this offense. Getting that finally getting to be the number one receiver because he had to sit behind Rondale and, and David Bell. He's a natural. He's a natural X. Like you can put him out there and he can run those big boy routes. He was big, uh, gets downfield, goes up and catches the ball. It would allow Charlie Jones to do all the shifty things inside, uh, move him around a little more. Uh, I, and we saw like Milton Wright last year, crazy production, just kind of sneaking under there just because we had David Bell. But he was pretty much game in, game out, a one of the best second wide receivers in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then just look at what he did in that Northwestern game too. I mean, he, that was his best game of his career, and he just tore it up. So yeah, it's a lot of things. It's it's frustrating because you don't get a schedule like this, and mm-hmm. you don't get a Big Ten that's this week. Um, and I think just generally, it's bad vibes. There's been bad vibes more than anything else, and it, offense has been decent. Our defense is markedly worse than at the start of the season in the secondary. At least it had been before this Illinois game. But I don't know if there's an answer on our roster right now. So how much Brahms getting out of his guys or not is a tough question to make. It is tough. And I, I've just I've gone back and forth with the defense all year because they've at least early on, it seemed like they would be good for 80%, 85% of the game. And then they would just have one ridiculously bad play. And that would be costly. Like, like that, the touchdown right before halftime against Penn state, there is no, that was three. That was a free seven points given up. And, you know, right now that is a huge difference in the big 10 race. And it's all, it was all one play. You look at the Syracuse game. Yeah, it doesn't count in the Big Ten, but similar situation. They couldn't make one play. So, I don't know. I've gone back and forth with the defense all year. I think it's a big case if we've gotten lucky that we've played the slate. Um, And the quarterbacks that we have played are just, they're not offenses that are designed to spread out and just, they need a running game to work. If we played, you know, air raid teams or teams that would just spread us out and willing to throw the ball. I think it would have been a really long, wrong season, long season for us because any time that a team has had to throw and they've gone wide and pushed it on us, it, the Minnesota game, mm-hmm. it was 20 seconds and they were down the field or Maryland. Sorry. And just our secondary is not there. And it never seemed like, the only real answer is ah, we're playing Big Ten teams that are going to run the ball thirty times no matter what, and that's fine. That's that's great for us because we've been shockingly good up front, and our linebackers, despite being injured there too and not having a star like George Karloftis anymore, it's almost like this defense is kind of overachieved with the key losses that they've had and the injuries that they've had because it, I mean they've been busted up in the secondary all year they're busted up at linebacker right now and really i i mean i think aside from the iowa game they've done and well the wisconsin game too because it's wisconsin they've done pretty well against the run too and that's that's what we saw on saturday against illinois uh chase brown still had a solid game but it was his worst game of the year when he's leading the nation 
Yeah, and even Wisconsin on the road, they didn't totally destroy us. On the ground. <laughs> on the ground, yes. <laughs> I think as long as the offense is somewhat resembling of what it was last year, the defense should be just fine. Like, by that I mean they can give up 20, 25 points as long as the offense is, is getting points. And then the Wisconsin and Iowa games, they were just shot. They were shot the entire first half against Wisconsin. They had a bunch of garbage time touchdowns um, late in that game. And then obviously we saw what happened with Iowa. Um, but the defense, like when you give Nebraska in their current state, you give up, I don't know how many receiving yards or passing yards they had, but you gave up 37 points to a Nebraska team that's one of the worst, if not the worst in the Big Ten, probably aside from Northwestern. And and it's like that one they had one receiver and he was just making plays all day. I think he had three hundred yards from scrimmage. And it was just one guy. It, that that's always the most frustrating thing to me when it's just one guy that just keeps giving it to you the whole night. Yeah, I we just don't have elite talent. Purdue just doesn't have elite talent in the backfield and there's not much you can do about it this late in the season. So are we worried at all about Northwestern and Indiana? Obviously, the scenario is out there. Um, we win and Iowa loses, I believe, and we get the Big Ten. Yes. So we have to uh, we need, beat Northwestern and Indiana. Yeah, we we do need Iowa to lose once uh, because I, I believe even if we get in a three-way tie with them in Illinois, I think Illinois has the advantage there because they would be 5-1 and one against the division. Uh, so we we need Iowa to lose, and they they've got a real chance. They are actually an underdog this week at Minnesota, but I mean, let's face it, we're Purdue fans. We can't count anything automatically. Not Northwestern, not Indiana. I'm not counting anything until the game's over. No, I mean it's out of our hands because you know Purdue couldn't handle business against games they probably should have won at least one of them, mm-hmm. um, but. It's still up in the air. So, and uh, do you think it's still, you know, a positive if you go to the Big Ten g- title game and you get drilled by Clearly. Michigan or Ohio State? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Purdue has not been there, and there's no open path for them being there next year and the next five years. This is not a program that has been, you know, successful for long stretches. Uh, they've struggled for uh, even. What, it's been almost 15 years since we since Purdue's challenge for anything meaningful on a football field. Mm. Our best win is yeah. getting a ninth win against Tennessee last season. Yeah. So, of course it matters. And I, I don't personally want to see what this defense could do against um, Ohio State wide receivers. It's probably going to be a very long night for Purdue. But worse... Purdue teams have beaten similarly talented Ohio state teams. So whatever magic there is in the air there, if you're in the game, you have a chance. If you're not in the game, there's always that. There's always that voodoo, that strange hex of unranked Purdue versus a top five team. (laughs) Went out. We might get ranked. No, I don't want to be ranked going to the Big Ten title game, man. Eight and four, fine. Unranked. I'm that's, that's a that's no lose. Said it's strongest. It's a no lose scenario because Purdue will probably be 
20 point underdogs in a championship at least, at least. At least. so at least yeah now, that's a win do you think we have a better shot against michigan or ohio state no <laughs> either one yeah no i um I think it's Michigan just because Ohio state receivers are ridiculous. And mm-hmm. as mentioned before, when Nebraska receivers are going for 200 plus yards, a little concerned about what the best like receiving talent in the country with oh. CJ Stroud behind an offensive line that will give him time. That is not the recipe um, for a secondary that cannot defend past 20 yards. And we saw what happened last year when we played them and we had a good offensive game against them and we still got just, they ran all over. They ran past us, through us, around us. It didn't matter. We couldn't do anything defensively. Yeah. There's, there's a severe talent deficiency. But that's every other team in the big 10 besides Ohio state and Michigan at this point. Travis going off your point last year, they hung up what 59 or 50. Something like that. It was in the 50s, I know. And that was against, like, a good defense from Purdue's standards. This year, they might go off for 70 if they played them. <laughs> well, uh, let's hope we at least get the chance to play them. I mean, that that like Casey said, you just want a shot. And I'll, I'll take back-to-back nine-win seasons at this point. It looked, I mean, you, we're favored to get to eight. I have no idea where we're going to end up in a bowl game or who we're going to play, but you win those two games, you win your bowl game. I'll, I'll take nine and four again. I, I'd be elated with nine and four. <laughs> Purdue hasn't done that since 97, 98 have back to back nine, one seasons. That, that should tell you Almost something. I was in high school then. You weren't even born then Jace. I don't <laughs> even know if my parents were born, were uh, married yet. And the, the strangest thing is the those two nine-win seasons came out of absolute nowhere because it was Tiller's first year, and Purdue was terrible for a decade before that. <laughs> they went from 3-8 and eight to 9-3 and three in his first year, and I, I just remember they're like, oh, and we're going to the Alamo Bowl. I'm like, great, we're going to a bowl game. Cool, awesome. <laughs> So uh, while we uh, while we're here, we can probably shift gears. I think we've talked enough about football. Let's let's go to basketball. That's what the that's what the people want. They want basketball, and uh, uh, I I think I'm in the minority here. I think this team is more fun to watch than last year. I, it's hard to describe it, but I think it's more fun. What do you guys think? I think it's easy to color that lens after a disappointing loss. Yeah. I had a lot of fun watching Jaden Ivey dunk last year. I see. I had fun watching Jaden Ivy, but the the team just we've had teams that I think are more fun to watch because they end up playing about five to ten percent above what you expect. I'm thinking the 2018 team that ran off like 20 games in a row, or uh, the Carson team. Last year they were about ten to fifteen percent below what you expect, and that that just. There, there was just something always off, and it's like, okay, this game shouldn't be as tight as it is right now in some wins, and then you had all the close losses and everything, and you just, I don't know, man. They just, they seem to get tight. They just, there was something off all year, and I could never put my finger on it. That's fine, but I, it was still a team that I saw do things that I've never seen Purdue teams do before. Um, it, 
it was an enjoyable group of guys. Yeah, it obviously ended up poorly. Um, there were some disappointments, but it was a super talented squad. I think it's very clear that last year's squad, you're not going to survive at an elite level and elite elite, like elite eight, final four, the kind of big prize that Purdue has missed out on with that many bad defenders. And I think if nothing else, the the dread was we knew that at any time Sasha was there. IT was there. Trey was there to some degree. Jaden Ivy's defense off the ball. Um, none of them. We had to sacrifice things for the sake of our offensive talent that made us a team susceptible to being in close games, to not being able to handle physical teams. I think we really struggled with that. We were small. Um, even Eric Hunter, pretty small. And what we're seeing this year is a team nowhere near the top ten, top talent that we have. We don't have a top five NBA player on our squad. But Purdue does have guys, dogs, defenders, and length everywhere on the floor. Brain Smith is our smallest guy, and he is a bottle rocket, constantly leaving the floor, getting up, going at it 100%. We have guys like that littered through the roster, and that's just – that is fun. It's a, it's a different mm-hmm. kind of experience. And they're young, so we're generally going to give them more of a pass as we watch them learn. There is going to be plenty of times this year, Travis, where our offense, you're not going to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Friday night, it was pretty clunky, I know, at times. <laughs> Honestly, it's, I've been surprised. They're really – and this is something that Coach Painter teams always have. They're so disciplined. It, it, I, I think sometimes we get lost watching Purdue games more than others. How many minutes other programs spend not running any offense at all and just being wild and dribbling around and – running back and forth with no clear idea of what they're trying to do. That's never painter's program. And this Purdue squad, even with all the young guards, even with all the inexperience, we are running sets. We are getting good looks. The only problem so far is we've just not hit open shots. And that will eventually even out. I believe because there are shooters everywhere on this roster. Not only Mm -hmm. do we not really have a weakness on defense, we don't have anywhere that can't shoot besides, you know, the guy who can dunk without leaving the ground. <laughs> That's a high percentage shot. Yeah. Something that Rafo and Lou Jack told me was if you go back and look, Coach Painter's best teams are always the teams who the starters backup could take their job. And you look at one through four, really, because I don't think first is taking Edie's job anytime soon. One through four, you could swap. Hold on. Any of those guys out. Who's taking Robbie Hummel's job? Who's taking Lou Jack's job? Who's taking Antoine Moore's job? No. Uh, Those teams weren't as deep. They weren't deep at all. They were were seven guys deep. Well, I remember the uh, bargaining moment of the Robbie Hummel injury was the, yeah, Patrick Beatty can be serviceable. He could do that now. No one was even scared of him at the co-rec after he left the team. Ouch. I, I watched blatant disrespect happen against him on a court. <laughs> I think it's telling that he ended up having we more don't, of an We don't need to talk about Beatty. We, we do not. It's, it's a Monday night. We don't have to live this life. 
But no, we Jace is right about the fact that we don't really step off on this team when we go to when Purdue goes to the bench. There is talent, elite talent. Like we've got multiple, like all Indiana guys on the bench, off the bench, everywhere. And that's a good problem to have. Trey Hoffman Wren is coming off the bench. He's a stud. He redshirted last year. I mean, a little bit of injury. Other, how many other teams would he redshirt for? Yeah, I. How much of that was injury? And well, he did get injured after, didn't he? But he did miss yeah. some of the summer. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird problem to have, and it's a good one. But this Purdue team is going to be interesting. Those are often the best teams, though. Those are often. I mean. I I just I remember the nineteen team and they got to they got run off the floor by Notre Dame in the crossroads. They're sitting at six and five. I honestly was wondering if we were going to make the tournament. <laughs> I mean, it was a legitimate fear. I did not know if that team would make the NCAA tournament, and they I ended up con- getting. I don't big, condone I don't that fear. Second condone it at the time. Court. Huh? I didn't condone that fear at the time. I don't condone it now. I think this team's going to make the tournament. I mean, this that's, team's definitely that's the, going to make the tournament. That's the bare minimum expectation right now for Purdue. And that's a good spot to be in. How many other programs in the nation would love to be in our shoes where the minimum expectation is you make the tournament? That's, I mean, it's I like 20, 25 programs. There's a lot. At ma- yeah, at most. Um, I will say we're going to find out a lot more tomorrow. Uh, We're no longer just playing against cupcakes and Marquette is an interesting squad. Uh, Matt Painter has never beat Shaka smart. Um, I was looking back at the box scores this morning as I'm trying to figure out like, was there any thread between all those games? And is there something about his system? Obviously everyone knows Shaka smart likes to play aggressive, small guard, small, everything. And they're fast. They're always really fast, which has been a problem in the past because you know, Purdue teams haven't been the most athletic, like one to 10, mm-hmm. but it's not like smarts teams have forced a bunch of turnovers against us. Um, Purdue shot the ball. Okay. Uh, I think one of the games they were like four at 20, um, one of the Texas games and that cost, but that wasn't a very good f- basketball team. So I think, I think Marquette's going to be a really good challenge because they're fast. Again, they're also really young. And I think that kind of style we are more suited for because the people coming off our bench, that's usually where the athleticism falls off or to the point where the skill doesn't make up for any lack of athleticism. And we really don't have Purdue doesn't have that on the roster this year. Everyone's a pretty decent athlete. The worst athlete is Brian Waddell and he's six foot eight. And past that, there's really not anyone that, you know, a quick, quick bigs on Marquette that are good with ball driving. That's going to be interesting, but I'm not scared of Trey Kaufman, Wren or Caleb first or Mason Gillis defending ball handlers. And I think that's what makes Purdue a little less susceptible this season to major upsets or coming into games like this, where they just completely look outmatched despite knowing in theory, they're the better team. You look back to the North Texas game a couple years ago. The guards 
tore Purdue up. And now I don't. Styles. I don't. I don't think that's the case. I mean, because Braden Smith, although he might not be developed fully offensively, he's going to play a hard defense, and that's what you need out of your point guard. Mm-hmm. Fletcher Lawyer can play defense, and then off the bench, I know Newman's got a lot of flack over his now four years in the program, but he's still got the potential to play defense. David Jenkins Jr. I mean, you got so many different guys at the guard positions now. And even Ethan Morton can step down and, and guard a, a two. I don't know if he'll be able to guard a, a point guard necessarily, but he can guard a two that's maybe going off and pretty needs to put someone on him. It'll be interesting. Um, talked to Painter today, and he talked about how Marquette likes to go to a two-point guard lineup with Sean Jones and Tyler Kolick. Um, Kolick is really crafty. I think he's uh, 52.8 assist rate right now. Uh, loves to play in the pick and roll, loves to just dance around a little bit, little, little Goran Dragic to his game. And I'm worried about how Zach Eady's going to handle that. But not only that, Shock Smart likes to add uh, Sean Jones, uh, another point guard, 5'10, 175 guy. And he is just a blur and fast. It'll be interesting to see what lineup we match that with. Um, because when you get two point guards out there, all of a sudden you're, you're going to put Braden Smith on the quick guy. Um, and then it, it comes down to, is Lawyer going to be able to guard on ball? Or do we put Ethan Morton on a point guard like that? Um, you know, Kulik 6'3", he's pretty big for a point guard. And I do think Morton is going to be a key when we go into, when Purdue goes into big games against really good guards. Because I, I like how he defends guards. He really uses his length well. And he's fine with getting a little past a defender just to make sure that he's still on the jump shot and you kind of trust his body to get like his athleticism to get back if he needs to. Um, So that's going to be an early key for me to how, how well this defense can take on challenges. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm already encouraged that I noticed today so far, we matched the number of games that we held a team under 55 points last year. And that's across the entire season. And yeah, I'm, I'm aware Milwaukee and Austin P are not great. Um, one of them might get hot and <laughs> get through the conference tournament, but that defense, it already just, it looks better. It feels better. And it, that's, that's the style of Purdue basketball. And that's what was missing last year. So uh, I mean, that's the style. If you're like 50 years old, Painter's had a more consistent offense than he has defense over his career at this point. If, if there is anything, like, if you named what Painter does well, it's offense. It's those offensive sets. It's getting teams to get into. We are an offensive program. That's fine. Purdue is an offensive program, but now we have defenders, which is why the ceiling for this team is higher than it should be, I think, and which is why the program looks so good going forward. But we have to do it against real teams. Yeah. Tomorrow night. Next five games Marquette, are going to be Mackie real Arena. tough. Gonzaga is waiting in the wings. Uh, let, let's get past West Virginia first. Uh, none of us play, so I can talk about whatever game I want. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, then. Well, we can probably uh, start wrapping this up then because we want to keep these relatively short. We don't want to be 
uh, bugging you guys too much, but we do appreciate you guys for listening to us. We appreciate you for being with us in the transition. Any final thoughts that you have? Jace, go first. Big game uh, down the stretch for Purdue football. Indiana kind of scares me. I know they're, what, are three and seven now, but I feel like that could be a trap game. Hopefully Purdue takes care of business oh, and, and we all get the we all get to go to Indy. If we lose to I if if Purdue loses to IU. But that would be the perfect Jeff Brown thing to do. If if Jeff Brown does that, there will be a bus waiting to take him down to Louisville. And Purdue will have paid for it. <laughs> yeah, he'll be I don't I don't know. I think if Purdue gets to the Big Ten championship game, that he could be gone. Because that's I mean, how how much higher are you gonna go at Purdue? Ah, that that's an off season discussion. I yeah, who knows? Who at knows? least somebody will be paying a lot of money for him to leave if that's the case. Money <laughs> is no object object for these schools. <laughs> All right, Casey, got any final thoughts yourself? Yeah, um, we're going to find out if uh, Zach Eady can defend at a high level tomorrow. And if he can't, they're going to, they are going, I guarantee you, Shaka Smart has, has told his guys, I, I, I mentioned before Tyler Kulik, his number one task is to get Zach Eady dancing and involved in pick and rolls every time they're in a half court set. Every time. Find him, pull him away from the basket enforce chaos and try to get him into foul trouble. Cause if Zach Eady stays on the floor, 30 points is not going to be his career high this year. Not even going to be close. And Shaka smart is one of the best coaches at this. And he has players that can really, that have really given Zach Eady problems, pick and roll defending on the move. He's not been as good as he should for his size. If, if that work he's put in this off season, to get a little quicker, to get a little more mobile, to improve his defense. If he's showing something this early and can stick in there with Marquette and play 27 to 30 minutes again, this Purdue team, it's not a top 27 program. It's not a top 25 program. It's not a top 15 program. It's a top 10 team in the country. Oh, we'll find that out tomorrow. Oh, man, you are, you are on it. I like it. I like it. You, you're, you you're dragging me back into this, Casey. <laughs> you're dragging me. You you had to deal with me the entire off season and my mopiness from last season, <laughs> and you're dragging me back. I watched the I watched five minutes of the first game, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. They're bringing me back, which is probably a good thing considering uh, we we run a Purdue site. I, I guess I do need to be back into it. But it's a good team. It'll be great. We're all gonna have fun. Yeah, that that's all we want. That's all we want is to have fun. Well, uh, again, we do thank you for listening to our subscribers, both new and old. Thank you for being with us through the transition here. We know it's been a little hectic, but we are finding our groove. And speaking of having fun, we're trying to have a lot of fun as we do this. And uh, we're honored to be able to bring this kind of stuff to you. It's a lot of fun for us, too. So for Jace, for Casey, and for myself, Travis Miller... We thank you for listening to the Boiler Upload podcast, and we look forward to bringing you another one of these very soon.